Rick Dodds here on the Data Stack Show, and today we're going to talk with the head of data engineering for Mattermost. Mattermost is a company based on open standards. Uh, they create communications tools that optimize dev workflows in highly secure environments. So, really interesting company. Uh, we align with them pretty closely because we're also based on open standards here at Rutterstack. Uh, so, really excited to learn more about uh, how they're building their data pipeline. In terms of technical specifics, Costas, what uh, what interested you about the conversation we had with Alex? Yeah, um, the whole conversation with Alex was very interesting. Uh, we went through the whole data stack that they have. So we had the opportunity to learn about the different uh, data sources, where they pull data from, things like um, the different data types that they work with and all the different technologies that they have to incorporate to uh, create a very uh, up-to-date um, data stack. Uh, we were going to discuss and we, uh, we discussed uh, around the problems that they have and actually uh, some very interesting uh, points that we touched was uh, about data modeling and the importance of data modeling and some technologies like LookML and DPD that um, they are incorporating in their data stack and also um, how important open source is and the different open source tools out there in order to build and maintain such uh, a complex data stack as the one that they currently have. So I'm pretty excited. I think everyone will uh, um, listen to some very interesting uh, ideas around uh, how to build a complete data stack and what kind of issues you, you might encounter and also some um, uh, possible solutions to them. So, hi Alex, thank you so much for your time today. It's a great pleasure to have you here. And uh, yeah, we are here today to discuss about uh, Mattermost, you, and uh, learn more about what you are doing with analytics uh, and uh, your overall experience, of course, and uh, especially what you are doing at Mattermost. So, would you like to start with giving like a brief uh, background and introduction about yourself and also say a few things about uh, Mattermost? Sure. Yep. So, my name is Alex Dovenmill. Uh, you'll have to find my name on the internet to see how to spell it. Um, my background is, uh, you know, computer science degree in college. Uh, I went to UNC Charlotte, which is in North Carolina. and for a long time, I just worked, you know, around Charlotte. Uh, I did back end, front end, everything. I did, you know, uh, VB.net, C Sharp, Ruby, Python. I've kind of done all sorts of stuff. Uh, and then about five years ago, I started a job at Heroku, which is a mm -hmm. Salesforce company. It's sort of used to be bigger back in the day, I guess, but, um, you know, platform as a service type company. And I joined on the Vault team, which was essentially the team responsible for the systems that handled billing the customers. And then our group was called Business Operations. And as part of that group, we also ran the data warehouse and the analytics for the company, for Heroku itself, I guess, as a business unit. Um, and that's kind of where I started to really get into a lot of the data engineering and I'll say big data, but it wasn't really that big. I always say when people say big data, because big data to me is like 
petabytes, like Google, Facebook scale kind of stuff. Yeah. Not like if you have like, I mean, I think our, we were using Redshift at Heroku and, you know, it was maybe, I think we were getting up into the, you know, 30 terabyte range or something, but it's not like it's that big. Come on, guys. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so really learned a lot there. Um, and I was I actually switched to like an actual data engineering role about two years into my time there. And um, I got them onto Airflow. I got them onto DBT. Uh, and we actually, at that company, we built our own, we were using Segment at the time at Heroku for user analytics. And we wanted to get away from Segment. So we actually built a homegrown analytics pipeline, essentially uh, using um, Amazon uh, Kinesis, mm -hmm. uh, which worked fairly well. And actually that got a, actually had a lot of traffic going through that. Um, but yeah, so then about six months ago, I left Heroku and started at Mattermost. Uh, when I started at Mattermost, they kind of had a data warehouse. They were using Redshift, but, and they were also using Chart.io, which is sort of like, you know, business intelligence kind of tool, like Looker or whatever. Um, but they really didn't have any actual, like what I would consider data engineering things set up. And really the warehouse that they had at the time only had essentially user and in our case server analytics, um, but they weren't pulling anything in from Salesforce or Zendesk or any of the other myriad of tools that we had. And I came in and built a data engineering infrastructure with, it's on uh, Amazon EKS, so it's Kubernetes. Um, it uses uh, Airflow, DBT, um, and then we're actually using Looker at Mattermost. Um, but that's kind of the, I'll say, that was sort of a long-winded introduction, but we'll just go with it. That's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we will have the opportunity to dive deeper about uh, on the architecture that you have there and how it's uh, the whole overall setup is and why you decide to go this way. But like, uh, it's very interesting what you said and like a uh, couple of questions on on that. Uh, first of all, I mean, going from Heroku to Mattermost, and it's been like quite some time between like these two uh, companies. How have you seen like things? Um, progress and how they have changed in terms of like the data engineering and the role of the data inside the company and what are like let's say the difference that you have experienced as a data engineer going from Heroku to, to Mattermost? Um, well I think we've tried to take the best of what we learned at Heroku to Mattermost and really the overarching goal is get all your data from all the different places into one warehouse, in our case, Snowflake, and then use a tool like DBT to make sense of all of it and kind of aggregate it up to the levels and stuff so that when you present it in Looker, you can not only know that you're presenting like accurate data, but you're also 
really enriching all the data that you do have and like making all the little connections between all the data to really unlock the power of it. Because it doesn't exactly help you if like, oh, I can go log into Zendesk and see this. I can go log into Salesforce and see that. Like being able to combine it and see it all in one place makes it mm -hmm. a lot more valuable in my opinion. Yeah, that's very interesting. And I think it's even more interesting when uh, uh, we see like how a common pattern, uh, what you're describing is even between like so different companies as like Heroku, which is like an infrastructure company and Mother right. mostly is uh, like uh, around uh, chat uh, application, but still like the need to collect all the different data from there and put it in one place and try to unlock the value out of it remains the same. That's great. Uh, so moving forward, can you like um, give a little more, more color around like the stack that you currently have? Uh, what kind of technologies? I mean, you have mentioned some of them already, yeah. uh, but uh, give some more information about uh, the whys behind you chose these. And also it would be interesting to hear about how your, um, uh, how these tools also changed, like uh, from your experience this past few years, starting from Heroku to today mm -hmm. and uh, most. Yeah, so let's see where to start. I think we'll start with Airflow. Um, I did mention that we were running it on EKS, Amazon EKS with Kubernetes. Um, and so Airflow, if you don't know, is a really a job scheduler and runner at its most basic, but it has this concept of DAGs, which are directed acyclic graphs. And you essentially can do lots of fancy things like say like once these two jobs run successfully then run this next job and then it also has a lot of stuff built in with like automatic retries it'll alert you if anything fails it logs like the logs of like a specific job in a specific place so the ui is kind of nice to be able to make sure that everything's running the way that you think it should and being able to monitor everything and all of that kind of stuff so airflow was something I discovered like three years ago. Um, I, I know it's a lot older than that. I think it was originally an Airbnb tool, if I'm not mistaken, but now is- Yeah, I, uh, I, I think so, yeah. Yeah, and now it's like an Apache open source project. Um, so yeah, that was definitely like day one, I was like, we definitely need Airflow. Like you're just gonna have to have it. Um, so built that out. And one of the interesting features that Airflow came out with it's, I can't remember exactly what release it was or even how long ago, but it's fairly recent. Um, each job in a DAG is called an operator and they came up with what they're, they call the Kubernetes pod operator. And what it essentially does is it runs the job in, it spins up a Kubernetes pod with whatever image that you tell it to, and then it runs the job in that pod. Now what's really cool about that is now you have decoupled the like scheduling and operation of like just running the jobs with the actual like what is running the job? Like what does the job actually do? And what's cool about it is like Airflow is written in Python, but because you're using a Kubernetes pod operator, you could run a job in any language that you want because it just needs to be some container, you know, like a pod running in a container or whatever. To, mm -hmm. to run it. So you could have like, if the rest of your company's on like, you know, you write Golang or maybe Haskell, I don't know, whatever craziness yeah. you want to try, it doesn't matter. 
with the Kubernetes pod operator, um, you can do it. One thing I will call out is that um, I'm assuming most people have heard of GitLab, but if you haven't, it's sort of like an open source, open core kind of uh, competitor to GitHub. Um, but they actually open sourced all of their data engineering stuff, um, just like we have at Mattermost. But I, you know, sort of took some of the patterns that they were using um, to get the stuff set up. So shout out to them for all that stuff because it's it's all pretty nice. Um, yeah, so that's Airflow. Next one, next tool to probably talk about. Maybe we'll talk about Snowflake, I guess. Uh, so Snowflake is a kind of a data warehouse tool, essentially a database, um, columnar data store, uh, kind of competes with Redshift. I don't even know what the rest of them are. I'm sure there's others out there. Um, yeah, now the, BigQuery. Yeah, BigQuery, right. Now the, the big difference between Snowflake and Redshift is that the way that Snowflake works is the storage is decoupled from the compute. And that's really the key to why Snowflake, in my opinion, is really nice. Because it allows you to scale your compute very easily. Um, whereas if you're using Redshift, and we used a lot of Redshift at Heroku, you know, if we needed more space, we'd have to add more nodes to our cluster. There wasn't any way to really um, you know, just add compute if you needed it. Now, I do know that Redshift has been starting to add features like that, um, but I haven't personally uh, used those. Um, and honestly, Snowflake's been pretty nice. Um, you know, we, we use a lot of Snowflake. Uh, and then on top of Snowflake, so for our actual like data visualization and sort of business intelligence tool, we're using Looker. Um, and that's mainly because, um, actually when I joined Mattermost, I actually joined with somebody else and like basically four people from that business operations group at Heroku, four of us came over to Mattermost within like two months of each other. Um, and so we, I mean, we purposely did that, but, uh, but anyway, we used a lot of Looker at Heroku as well. So it was kind of a tool that we were comfortable with. And um, the other nice thing about Looker too is that we actually have, Looker uses a, I'll call it a language, um, called LookML for defining your models and views and explorers and all this stuff. And um, Mattermost, we're actually, we have our LookML for everything that we do in Looker is also open source. So you can go find that as well, um, which is kind of cool. Another nice thing about being sort of open source about stuff. Uh, the next one I'll talk about is DBT, which stands for Data Build Tool. Uh, the purpose of DBT is to essentially take care of all your data transformation in your data warehouse. Um, it's just super good at what it does. Um, and it really makes it easy to build models that are not only accurate, but also they're just easy to build and it's easy to like figure out what's going on. It also has this cool, uh, 
has like this docs site that it'll generate for you. And you can go see, um, like, let's say you have this table that's been aggregated from like 10 different tables and all this stuff has gone to make this like one big aggregated table. It'll actually show you the data lineage of where all that data came from. Like, how is this thing actually calculated? Which makes it a lot easier for somebody coming in new to understand like what's going on, like how did this data get calculated and all that kind of stuff. Where if you just have a bunch of crazy SQL all over the place, you know, it's just impossible to figure out where it's coming from. Yeah, actually, from my experience with DBT, I think what they have managed to do in an amazing way is that take all the good practices that engineering in general has and that always were missing from uh, when you had to work in a database environment with SQL and actually apply them. So um, you have like, you can version your models. Um, you can um, uh, roll back and do like tests and stuff like that, that we were always discussing um, about to do that on the database level, but always, it, it just wasn't there for, some, for whatever reason. And I think that DBD uh, managed to do an amazing job on that. Um, a quick question. You mentioned uh, LookML and DBT. And just out of curiosity, because you are using both, and I think this is interesting. I mean, there is some kind of like overlap between these two. Uh, how do you separate uh, these two tools and how do you use them uh, inside Mattermost? Yeah, that's a good question. So. To me, the point, of, the point of DBT is to take all the raw data that you have and jam it together in a way that's like accurate and like you said, like you can do like the testing and all that stuff like in a very like, um, have some actual like engineering discipline to it. Um, and then we generally only build uh, stuff in look like the look ML, the views and the models and all that stuff and looker for on top of those already like pre built models from DBT that we made. And then we just, so we're showing those ones in looker because that way we know, okay, we've like verified that this model that DBT made like this table really like has all the stuff. It's accurate. It's what we want. And then we can show it, you know, use Looker to let people explore the data. And that keeps out a lot of the, that can keep out a lot of the weird things where if you have people on Looker and they don't necessarily understand exactly what the data means, and then they start making weird explorers that try to map data together that doesn't really, you know, map the way that they think it does. Um, so it just makes it a lot cleaner and it makes it a lot, I think it makes it more approachable for the, users in Looker, like you don't want them to have to care or know about the data model at like a super deep level. You just want to give them easy tools where they can just like, oh, I just want to see this, this, and this, and you know, give me some group by aggregate sum or whatever, um, and allow them to do that without, uh, really without them having to come to you and asking questions about what does this data mean? That's always yeah. the, you know, I mean, you get the, you're going to get those regardless, but trying to minimize, um, you know, giving them the giving them the power, like empowering them to do stuff, um, 
because it just makes it more scalable and, and that's really what you're going for. Yeah, I think uh, there is a good, um, because you, I mean, you mentioned there earlier about Snowflake, about the, uh, the power of like decoupling the storage uh, from the processing. I think something similar is also like happening um, with these tools where we see that like the modeling of the data is actually decoupled from the actual visualization and working with the data and trying like to come out with uh, yeah. the insights and all that stuff. And I think that this kind of decoupling is like, uh, will appear more and more in anything that has to do with data. And I think that it's a very uh, powerful paradigm and we can see it like manifesting itself like in different ways. And I think this is also what is happening with uh, products like Looker, LookerMail, DBT and all that stuff. I mean, but, uh, this whole industry is still shaping because we're still like, it's still in work in progress. But I think yeah. that this kind of decoupling, like it's what actually is like moving forward the industry right now. Um, cool. So anything else around your data stack that you would like to mention? Oh, yes, there is one more. It's called Rudder Stack. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll go into the, uh, so like Heroku, um, when I joined Mattermost, they were using Segment. And I think it was about two years ago. And two years ago at Mattermost, when I wasn't there, um, they started getting billed like an insane amount per month because they were going like way over their usage on segment. And they essentially ended up turning off all except 2% of the events that they were sending to segment. So essentially, and I mean, you know, losing 98% of your data, like just gone because you can't, you know, deal with segment paying that much. So when I came on, I was like, well, I've already gotten away from segment once. I'm going to go ahead and do it again. Um, not that I don't think segment is like a, I think it's fine if that's what you're looking for, but it was never what I was looking for. So I wanted to get rid of it as soon as possible. And so as part of that, um, it was actually during my interview with Mattermost, the CEO, Ian, was like, oh, hey, have you heard this thing called Rudderstack? I was like, oh, no, I hadn't heard of that. Let me go check that out. And it's like, oh, it's this open source second alternative. I was like, yes, this is exactly what we need. Um, so starting about, I think in March, I want to say, we started this project of getting rid of segment and replacing it with rudder stack. Um, and, you know, from a code perspective and everything like that, it was really simple to change. Like it's not that complicated to, um, uh, you know, replace segment with rudder stack. It's really quite simple, but it was more of a, it's more of like, what's all the downstream effects and like, what's the, what else can we do with rudder stack that we weren't able to do with segment because we had such uh, limitations on the amount of data we could send. So, um, so like I've implemented, or I've had implemented, I was more of like a project manager on this project more than actually like doing the code. Um, but essentially, Mattermost now has Rudderstack implemented on the server, the web app, the mobile app, the plugins, uh, 
on mattermost.com we're using Rudderstack because we're, I mean, they're also using Google Analytics on there, but Google Analytics only gives you aggregated views of your data, whereas Rudderstack, not only can you have um, custom events that, you know, you just trigger in JavaScript, you know, they click this button, they did that, whatever, but it also does all like the page tracking and everything else for you. And so having that all go through like the same tool, you know, it integrates with Snowflake just fine. And I know Rudderstack has a bunch of other connectors to different uh, data destinations or whatever, but obviously I just care about Snowflake. Um, so getting all that raw data into Snowflake where now you can really start telling the story of, and this will, uh, I'll, I'll just, some foreshadowing, really get the story of the customer journey with Rudderstack. And, um, and the other thing that's been really nice with Rudderstack is now that we have no real limitations on how many events that we can send, now we can, you know, it's like, oh yeah, just add an event for that. Why not? Like, it's not gonna hurt anything. You know, yep. um, I mean, you, you know, you wanna be a little careful on like exactly what events you add and all that kind of stuff so you're not just plowing a bunch of data in there that doesn't mean anything. But if it's a meaningful event, then, you know, it, it's just opening up a whole new world for, especially the product managers that matter most. But yeah, Rudderstack. Yeah. So from what I understand, you're using uh, Rudderstack to uh, capture all the interactions that uh, your customers have on many different touch points with them, right? So yeah. it's um, not just your website, it's like uh, many different touch points that you have. And uh, then these data are pulled into uh, Snowflake. And from there, DBT is used to uh, do the data modeling. And then LookML and Looker are used like for visualization and deep, uh, yeah. diving deeper into the data. Are there, because you mentioned at the beginning that uh, a very important uh, goal in building this kind of like uh, analytics uh, infrastructure is to collect all the data into one place. We talked a lot about um, the customer events and the customer related uh, behavioral, let's say, data. Are there other data sources that you pull uh, and yeah. uh, you put? And if yes, like how do you do it and what kind of tools you are using for that? Yeah, great question. So, um, actually, one thing, this is sort of tangential, but uh, because Mattermost is so like, it's a very privacy and security focused company, um, we actually the data that we're sending to Rudderstack is actually sort of, there's no PII in it, if you will. Um, we're not sending email addresses or anything like that to it. It's literally just the, you know, like if you're on the web app or whatever and you're just chatting away, all that gets sent to Rudder is like the internal user ID that the server identifies you as and like the server ID just so we can have that kind of stuff, which is kind of an interesting take on some of that stuff because you know, like, cough, cough, Facebook is trying to, you know, figure out exactly what you're doing on everything at all times, listening on your phone, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> all that crazy stuff. So anyway, that's sort of an aside. Um, but yeah, so as far as like, um, you know, getting all the data and then how do we like put it together? So not only are we getting all the rudder stacks, so that's like you said, like, you know, what kind of website stuff, like web traffic and that kind of things, but also like in product, user events, and even server telemetry. Um, uh, but then also we've got, we, we use Zendesk for support, Salesforce for sales, 
Uh, they're using Marketo to do like marketing type stuff. Um, those are pretty much the main ones. And one thing that we do, and that's one thing that we kind of brought over from Heroku, uh, is we're using a tool called Heroku Connect, which allows you to have a bi-directional sync between a Salesforce instance and a Heroku Postgres database. Um, and what that allows us to do is not only can we read the data from Salesforce and get it into Snowflake, um, but then we can also write back to Salesforce. And what that's really helpful for is that like the salespeople and you know, maybe solution architects, sales engineers or whatever, they live in Salesforce all day. You don't want to have to force them to go to some other uh, system, like even Looker, really. You want the data to live in there. So what we do is we'll generate these data points about, let's say, like an account, you know, like some sales guys trying to sell to some account, but maybe we'll sync some data that, you know, like how many users do they have or how many active users have they had in the last week or something like just something to give them a little bit more context into what's going on um, with their customer. Um, but we are using uh, Stitch data to sync some of the data from the various data sources. So like uh, Google Analytics, Zendesk, Jira. Um, but yeah, Jira, I forgot about that one. So Mattermost uses Jira for all of its um, internal project management. Mm -hmm. um, and we're actually pulling that data into the data warehouse and then we can actually use that data to give, you know, like say the VP of engineering a view of like, how are these different teams doing and how many tickets are they doing and all this kind of stuff. So you can kind of even do like performance metrics with this data. Um, yeah. So that's sort of, so it's like get all the data in with airflow or stitch data or rudder stack and then use DVT to transform it, then Looker to visualize it. So that's the that's the way we do it. Yeah, sounds great. I mean, it, it sounds like you have managed to uh, build these uh, single source of truth around your data. And exactly. Uh, pulling all the different data that you need in one place. Is there something missing? Like, is there something that like, uh, data sources that you don't touch yet and you're considering like to do it in the future like do you think that's something missing from the data that you need uh, or now it's more about like focusing on um working on the data and creating like uh, things like uh, and we are going to talk more about that later but uh, like the customer journey that uh, you yeah. mentioned yeah so yeah I, I think i think it's both really um one of the challenges we have with the way that Mattermost as a product is distributed, because we don't currently have a SaaS product, is that people have to upgrade their own servers. And most mm -hmm. people don't. So like when I say, oh, we just released Rudderstack in you know, the 5.23 release that we released like a month ago, like most people are not on that one. Um, and so that makes it a challenge when you're trying to add some of these telemetry items, you know, if somebody's not on the right version where that telemetry is even implemented, you're just not getting it. And so you don't know. Um, and so I think that's the sort of the biggest challenge that we have. And really until we have a SaaS product or somehow make upgrading your server brain dead easy, which I think is kind of tough in itself. Like, you know, we're always going to be, uh, 
fighting that essentially. Um, but yeah, so in, you know, like I said previously, when we moved or like two years ago at Mattermost, they turned off all but 2% of those events coming into segment. So now that we've turned them back on for rudder with rudder stack, now we have to go actually figure out what the state all means because we didn't really have any of it. So we didn't really know how to like model it and do this kind of stuff. So now that, uh, the rudder stack release has been in the wild for a little while, we're finally getting enough data to where we can start, you know, we figured it out and we're like modeling it, aggregating it, aggregating it up. So, uh, you can visualize it in looker and then, you know, to the customer journey piece is now that we have, now that we're using rudder stack across all these different properties, that's where we really unlock the power. So the main idea for like, and we're calling it customer journey mapping is like, can you show like if a user visits mattermost.com, let's say they go to the, some blog post, or maybe we'll host this podcast and they went there. Right. And then, you know, they're reading around and they see all this stuff and they're like, Oh, I'd like to like buy that or do a trial or whatever. Right. And then you can see like, okay, they download this trial and then, um, well, let's take the version where they actually buy it. Um, they'll go to our customer portal, which again, uses rudder stack. So now we can see, you know, what they're doing in the portal, then they buy it and then we can track which, um, license kind of like a license ID, um, that they're using for that server. And so we can say like, okay, they went to this podcast, they looked at this blog, you know, they read our mattermost.com stuff. They went to the portal and bought the product. Then they actually started using the product. And then, you know, here's how they're using, you know, you actually know how at least that server is using the product, which can really help. I think, you know, what that enables you to do is not only like, you know, I mean, you can do, start doing crazy things like trying to AB test some marketing site, um, which is something we're planning on, like, you know, and it started answering really detailed questions about like, of these people who visited like, you know, some certain page on mattermost.com, like not only did they even buy the product, but how did they use the product once they did start buying it? And is there something about like those set of users that we should be thinking about from, I don't know, a marketing perspective, a sales perspective, should we be building more features for these people? Like all this kind of stuff sort of, um, allows you to really, really unlock the value of that data to a level that, I mean, we never, I don't even like, we didn't really even get there at Heroku to be honest. So it's yeah. kind of that matter most like we're going to have it. So, I mean, there's a lot of data modeling and like, you know, the stuff goes into it. So we're not totally there yet, but that's sort of what we're moving towards. Yeah. The feeling that I get, uh, personally, and I would like to share your opinion on that. It's like, uh, you know, like one of the first problems that, um, data engineering had to face was like getting access to all the relevant data, right? Yeah. Getting access to the data, collecting uh, the data consistently. This is a pretty hard problem actually, also from an engineering perspective, like, and you can see that, but all these like very complex platforms that they have been like Kinesis, Kafka, like it's not an easy engineering problem to solve and uh, correctly. 
Um, and, but what it's like for all these years, we were. Uh, it was all about how we are going to collect the data. You know, put it in one data warehouse. Then okay, now all the things that we can do in the data warehouse with this next generation, like Snowflake, that we have. And it seems that like even when we solve these problems, there are more problems coming up. And I think that the next uh, like cycle will be more about the life cycle of data, how you track like the changes that are happening there. Uh, things like, and I think that was very interesting what you said, like um, how you can track, uh, for example, events that are coming from many different uh, versions of the product out there. And I, I mean, it might be more profound in your case because uh, you have many installations and not all people like are updating. Uh, but I think that as we move forward, like um, these problems will become even more important and will be, I think, very interesting to see how the industry will respond to that and what solutions will uh, uh, come up uh, around this. Uh, so moving forward, um, we discussed a lot about like your infrastructure and it sounds like Mattermost is a very data-driven company. Can you, uh, and you touched some of the use case of what you are doing, uh, can you expand a little bit more on like the role of data analytics and data in general inside uh, rather, uh, sorry, not rather stack, uh, Mattermost and uh, like um, how the company is using this data? Yeah, yeah, a good question. Um, so, I mean, there's so many aspects to the stuff that we do. Uh, so I'll just touch on a few, but one of the first things that we actually built, and this was before Rudderstack, um, and really it was just based on the Salesforce data, but really we were trying to provide a way for, you know, like the executive level to track uh, sort of like financials and stuff and like do like financial like forecasting and modeling and that kind of stuff and have that all in Looker so that they can see like what we really and what we actually have now is sort of like a health of the business, you know, Looker dashboard that has all these metrics and stuff that we've defined and, you know, populated about like, you know, how much revenue is coming in, you know, financial numbers, like how much revenue is coming in, all that kind of stuff. But then also like, how is our support team doing? Like, are we, you know, um, are we getting good feedback from the tickets or whatever? Uh, and then also, you know, are more people installing Mattermost? Are more people going to the website? Like all these sort of like really top level things that they can get a view of so that they don't have to spend, you know, hours like clicking around to all these different other, you know, if we had all these dashboards separate or whatever, where they have to spend hours just trying to find where this data is, but providing them, providing that data to them in just one place. Um, and then actually we even built a board level view, um, you know, because it's a venture capital company, you know, you have these guys from Battery Ventures. I should really know these names better, but you know, the, the investors, right, they want to see like, how is their investment doing? And by providing them with a like board level dashboard, that's even higher level, you know, I think not only does that give like the board members probably of you like, oh, these people know, you know, like this company knows what it's doing. Like they're pretty mature on how they like do this stuff. Um, so I think that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, and now, you know, now that we have access to all this rudder stack data, we're able to answer so many questions for the product managers uh, that they just didn't have answers for before because, you know, the product managers are trying to make, you know, they want to make the highest impact and best changes to the product, you know, to 
like either a make like add a feature that we don't have that you know Microsoft Teams has or Slack or something, or uh, just making like a feature better. Like for instance, they're uh, working on a project to revamp how threads are done. And threads, if you don't use Mattermost, you it does threads a little bit differently than Slack, where Slack has like the collapsed threads and then you have to click it and it's over in like the sidebar. Uh, Mattermost just has like sort of inline threads, so you, you can't collapse them. And that's always been like the biggest thing when people switch from Slack to like, what are you guys doing? Why is this thread stuff so stupid? <laughs> um, but the product manager for that, he wants to make sure that he's building threads, not just to copy Slack, just so people stop complaining about it, but like how do people actually want to use threads? And so we're able to provide him with like a bunch of really like, really uh, specific data points on like how are people actually using threads and how many like concurrent threads are going on in some of these, you know, user chat rooms and stuff and how long, like how many messages on average are posted under a specific thread or under like a given thread or whatever. And so he's wanting to use all this data so that he can make a better decision on like, which way do we actually go with this threading thing? And I think we're seeing that from really all the product managers at Heroku, or Heroku, at Mattermost, uh, where they're, you know, they're, they've been so data starved because of the second thing that now with Rudderstack, we really have the view of, hey, how are people actually using this stuff? And like, how can we make it better? So that's the one I'm kind of most excited about. Yeah, sounds great. I mean, it sounds like uh, we are talking about a company that is like pretty much like data-driven. I mean, almost every aspect of the company like uh, works on uh, some kind of data. And uh, yeah, it sounds like the industry and the tools out there are like uh, mature enough at this point to enable this kind of use cases, like from the top leadership down to like even like um, uh, the product manager who is going to uh, use the data to drive their decisions. Uh, and that's very interesting to hear because like, you know, that's it's pretty common to hear about data in very specific areas of the company, like more about marketing, because of course, like marketing was one of the first like functions inside the company to uh, rely on data to do that. But I mean, pretty much if you want to be competitive today, you need like to utilize your data that you have in everything that you do. So yeah, um, that's, that's good to hear that you're uh, doing that on Mattermost. All right, so I mean, we're very close to the end of um, our discussion. So one last uh, question. Uh, what is next uh, for the data analytics inside Mattermost? What makes you excited about it? Uh, like, it sounds like you have all the data there now to like build some very interesting internal and external products. Um, so yeah, what makes uh, Alex excited? Uh, yeah, so I think for me, it's really all that customer journey mapping stuff to really have that end-to-end -end view of things um, and really make sense of it for people so that, you know, non, you know, analytics people can understand like what we're showing them. Um, just being able to do that stuff, I think is going to unlock a lot of stuff um, in that direction. Uh, and I mean, you know, we're on the way to it. We're not there yet. I will, uh, you know, I'm going to write some blog posts and stuff once we actually get it up and running because I, I think it'll be really cool. Um, yeah. 
Sounds great. I'm pretty sure that we'll have more opportunities to discuss again in the future about uh, more exciting things that you will be building at Mattermost. Uh, so, Alex, thank you so much. Uh, it was extremely interesting for me to hear what you are doing there. I hope you enjoyed your time and uh, for the conversation. And I'm looking forward to chat again in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate you having me. So that was it with Alex. I think it was uh, very interesting. We touched, as we said, like many technical details uh, and we covered the whole data stack that they have. Um, a very interesting takeaway from this conversation is how many different moving parts a data stack has and how complex it can become and how important it is to have the right tool uh, to, for, uh, for its uh, job in this uh, data stack and uh, how difficult it is to actually maintain and actually deliver the data and enable everyone inside the company to use uh, the data, even if um, you are using all the current best practices for building a data stack and operating it. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, I think it's really interesting that uh, just having the data now um, across teams and in a place that it's usable across teams is opening up all sorts of new opportunities that are going to reach into other departments that matter most. You know, if you think about marketing and sales and really empowering them with data, uh, much like they're doing with the product managers. So it'll be exciting to touch base with Alex in the coming months and see how the data spreads across the organization. Uh, until the next one, thanks for joining us on the Data Stack Show, and we'll catch you on the next episode.